Hello and good morning. It's Sunday the 29th of April. Welcome to the Big Kickoff. Welcome, the juice, the, the juice, <laughs> the twosome's back. Dave and Roy here again, bringing it to you live. I was going to do it again by myself <clears throat> for another when week. I was but, young, uh, yeah. oh. <laughs> How'd you find it? Were you looking out the way? Was it raining outside? No, it probably wasn't. I didn't get because no, I, didn't get I was in Malaga last weekend. The weather was brutal. Was it? It was brutal. Was, yeah, the I, sun came as we were getting onto the plane, and everyone else was sending me pictures of in shorts and. Sipping their beers on Saturday but afternoon. But they're not the only one. They've been affected by the weather that we've yeah. had as, uh, as well because everything that we've been getting has been cold and all our rain has been just dropping down to Spain. Yeah. So Thanks. they've been getting Spain since... So Christmas. I had a wonderful weekend of the beer. And in fairness, I'll, we can talk about it a little bit after uh, after the first song because uh, it was just a massive day of sport last Saturday all day. All day. So you can briefly kind of go, uh, go through uh, when we come back. We always start with Irish and it is a laboom with Don't Need It Now. Get you up in the morning. That was our Earl's finest laboom with Don't Need It Now. So, we might as well kick off very briefly with my... Uh, everything okay now, Roy? Mm-hmm. It looks like you're doing a little uh, twist. Uh, yeah, last Saturday, basically, weather wasn't great, so there was no little uh, bit of crack by the pool. We ended up kind of, uh, basically, from about half one till about half one, sitting there in front of uh, the lovely pub in Bellamadina called The Belfry, where... It was like the cast of Cocoon were there, and then it was 10 of us, and we basically watched sport all day. Yeah? And it was brilliant. What is the area like, that you're Ah, it's lovely. It looks, it's the, kind of the well-known uh, uh, hotel we stayed in, Sunset Beach. I think the FBD own it. It's kind of at the end of Benamadina town, like so. That was good out crack now, right. a lot of lads. But yeah, so we were down there for half one, so we had Liverpool, then we had Leinster, then we had the Cup semi-final at United, then we had the beautiful thing where we were sitting, there was two TVs, and they had Amir Khan's joke shop on one TV, and... Uh, the Frampton fight in the other one, so yeah, it was a fun old day. Now, I briefly went over Amir Khan uh, just because it was only a brief thing. It was ridiculous. So, I mean, it was far I don't even want to talk about it. He is a sham, and it, it was always going to be a bit of a sham of a fight when you've seen the statement in the original. Uh, now, listen, credit to Phil Agreco, he got himself in great nick. But to do all that for three months now, don't get me wrong, it's probably his biggest payday. So that's the, the obvious reason why he did and it. He, he and I'll never t- hold it against him. He talked himself up so much that I actually said, this, this might be interesting. But that's what they do, Shannon. They get yeah. us every time. And no, and no matter how many times you kind of know it's a bit of a joke, but you can't help but watch them. And that's what, because you, you're afraid to miss out. But uh, yeah, he made light work of them. And then uh, Frampton was decent. Um, Daener was probably, it's past his prime, but it doesn't matter. He still had to look after him. And he looked decent and he looked good. But it was there was a great undercard. We were watching a few of them because a few of the lads knew a guy called Luke Keeler. He had a great fight with Conrad Cummings who would have been on um, McGuigan's stable. 
at one point I presume obviously he's jumped ship with Frampton because he was great mates but that was a great fight and Keeler came out uh, uh, victorious in the end and then obviously we had the, the rest of the football in Leinster and looking uh, literally after five minutes there was a kind of a tackle down in the corner and whatever way four or five of the boys got up and they were frothing at the mouth I was like this isn't even close yeah and like and it wasn't me being any expert it was just the way they got up I went yeah this is not going to be close and in fairness they made light work of it so uh, and obviously unfortunately I missed the Munster game the day after because we were flying back but somebody said at the back of the plane that they won and again we checked when we got to he said no they didn't yeah. so whatever yeah. happened but by all accounts even though it was close I think it was 25 or 22 27, it apparently wasn't that close at all yeah. it was only yeah. Munster kind of got going with a few minutes to go so yeah it's only, it's only they Munster. actually never they never got into it though. yeah so it was but never, it was a great day just to, like I know probably people at home probably struggled to sit there and watch football and, and sport all day with the sun shining but uh, it was great for us when the weather was crap what was the Katie Taylor won last night didn't she? Katie Taylor uh, has her second uh, her second world title bout um, she basically defeated uh, Argentinian Argentinian Victoria Noelia Bustos she's been unbeaten for about four or five years and uh, she now holds the IBF and WBA version of the title so she's two more to go. Um, there's another one who's a decent run. And then there's this Belgian girl who has an incredible record, but apparently doesn't fight out of Belgium. She's like 39 wins out of 40. And Eddie Hearn is a bit, doesn't really want to kind of get to her until it's the last one because right. apparently she's not going to be a big seller. Like, obviously, that's where you fight in Ireland. It's going to sell anyway. Yeah. So don't be stupid. Like, of course you should fight her because who cares whether she has a fan base or not. But uh, by all accounts, she was very much in, in control for the whole fight and pretty much it was a 99-91 decision and 98-92 or something, yeah. by all accounts. Yeah, yeah that's, I, I didn't say it, I did, yeah. but I did read it about yeah. it and yeah, that's exactly what they said. said so just kept picking her off. Yeah. So but, a little bit more intelligent than the, probably the last fight where she went head-to-head a bit too much. Yeah. Uh, and I think she said in the eighth round that actually that's what happened they went toe to toe again yeah. for longer than, than she probably should have but she said sure that I'm there to entertain sometimes as well so no by all accounts it was very much a dominant display and uh, fantastic for her and the sooner better we get her back here now for a, a, a big event and I, I for one I'm sick of saying Eddie Hearn needs to do a big event here and really rub it into MTK's face with the whole ban in the south and the whole lot like he, he's got plenty there to be able to work with yeah, yeah. and uh, we'll see what happens Um Hey and Bellu. Oh yeah, it's been a little bit more subdued this time because obviously Hey learned his lesson because he really cranked it up the last time saying some pretty unsavory stuff. Mm. Um, so he knows. Yeah, I'll, I'll let me fist do the talking this time. I was looking at an interview of him and just two days ago, mm. and he was saying that he actually went into the fight injured. And he said that oh, he yeah, that tendon. say that he's not going into the fight injured this time. Yeah, he said that he went in. And he felt injured, he was injured, mm. and he couldn't back out. I think he thought, yeah, it was a bit of both. I don't think he could back out, plus I, I still think he fancied it. I think he thought he had too much power for him. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, it blew up in second or third round. You could see he, yeah. the leg wobbled and whatever. Yeah. But I've seen a picture afterwards. If you want it, if you're a bit sick, if you're that way inclined, there's a picture of it. It's like spaghetti. Yeah. The, uh, I'm going to leave it at that. I can see, I can, I, I'm interested in this fight because, of course, as yeah. I, as I said, we said this before. Bellu has blown it out of all proportion like this is the greatest win of oh, all the time victory, yeah. and in fairness to Hay he played it down and said listen well done you won you know and I'm just interested to see a fit Hay now again in the whole world scene I don't think this is anything you know I it won't I, make a massive ripple effect no. because for Bellu this is it this is his Everest 
the real heavy. I'm not saying he isn't a real heavyweight because he still could be if he really took it serious for a year or so. But this is his Everest because if the real heavyweights came in, they'd blitz him. He's not a heavyweight. He's no. a, what's the one, cruiserweight Cruiser or whatever underneath. Yeah. And that's what he really is. But he kind of fancied a go, got in, got the right opponent, obviously got lucky then with the injuries as well. And got his victory and good luck to him, you yeah. know. Um, and now he's getting a great payday as well. And there's 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 two sides to belly. Like, you know, he is a bit mouthy, he is a bit whatever, but you know why he does it. You know, he does it for himself and the kids mainly, mainly and these are big paydays and good luck to him and I'm delighted for him in that sense. Yeah. And he's a decent enough scheme when you see him, what he puts up on Twitter about uh, uh, both sides of the, the city of Liverpool. Like, you know, he's well liked by both, even though he's a, a true blue league, yeah. you know. Um, but this is his big one, so it'll be interesting to see how this one's going to go. I, I am going to watch it, there's no denying it. Ah, of course you will. Um, but that's it. It, it. I suppose it's gone from haymaker to moneymaker. That's all it is, isn't it? But that's what it is, because there's two fights back where on Dave, and they were terrible fights. They were joke shot fellas. Now, if they were just chewing ups, that's grand. And then, of course, he got injured. A fit hay a few years ago, there's no contest. But now, yeah, I th- yeah, I think I'd stick my neck out and say it is a 50-50. Bellew's obviously going to be taking this just as seriously because... Whatever about the payday, he'll still want to knock his head off. Of course he will. You know, so um, what about the Wilder and Joshua what? antics, I suppose? It's the, like, if it's part of the whole ploy, great, but Jesus Christ, like, they're going to make a boatload of money. They're both going to get what they really want. Just do it. Mm. You know, like, what's the holding? Does Wilder want to try and get him over to the state side? Joshua seems quite comfortable over here, which is a bit weird. Like, fair enough, the 80,000, maybe they make more money in the big stadiums or whatever, but they all say you make the big money in the States and the States will kill to have him over there. They Somebody over there would pay a boatload of money to get him over. So get over there and fight in Vegas, wherever it may be, and get it on. If, if, if that's all it takes for you, just go over and do it. You know, is Joshua starting to get a bit of notions now where, no, it's everything. Like, I get why, but it's like every, every fighter worth their salt wants to hit the big time and hit Vegas and hit whatever. So yeah. just go and do it. Yeah. If that's the stumbling block. I don't know what the stumbling blocks are. Allegedly, there was an email Offering him the 50 million and Eddie Hearn said it was only an email. I asked for meetings because he was in, he was promoting that yeah. card last night yeah. and they never showed up or they cancelled. So, look, whatever. Hopefully it, it is going to happen. They do only have a certain window, don't they? Because there's mandatory fights. Exactly. That have so to happen, it has so. to happen soon. Otherwise, yeah. And then they can have a true unified fighter yeah. and of course Fury's coming soon as well so his his bark is going to be uh, out loud now after I he think wins he's the most interesting you, want, you just want to see if he can actually shake it up a little bit you know well exactly because he defeated Klitschko yeah. before uh, Joshua so he Joshua can't say he's out there completely on his own Fury done a cracking yeah. job on him yeah. so watch the space okay the uh, Football Association the FA board heard on Thursday proposals of a deal worth around 1 billion yep. with Pakistan American uh, American Khan who also owns the National Football League side Jackson, Jackson Jag- Jaguars uh, paying 600 million up front meanwhile the FA could gross another 400 million from match day revenue so a billion Yep. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I have. A, I brought it up as well here, and I have it noted down because obviously I wanted to bring it up. But what has surprised me the most? It's where's the British furor about? How dare they get yeah. rid of? It's been very much like, all right, yeah, that's good. That sounds business. That's sound business. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah. It's been very. Um, yeah, let's see. Maybe, maybe they're taking a pinch of salt, but it's been very um, flat line. No big deal. Yeah, fair deals. Now, what, what they're lying is, is they're saying that the FA bosses plan to plow 500 million into grassroots, back into grassroots yeah. projects around, allowing them to, to pay for hundreds of 3 and 4G pitches. Mm. But 
I mean, you're losing the national stadium. It's Can I just say something home. which I never knew? They never owned it up until the new Wembley. It was never theirs. Oh, wasn't that? Yeah, I never knew that. They Who? took it on because whoever ran Wembley were struggling. And now they're struggling. Oh. And that's where it's coming from. They're oh. literally every year it's a loss. I never knew that as well. So maybe that's where it's not a big fuss. I don't know. But it's just been very kind of like, I would have thought this, this would have gone on for days. Yeah. Where people would be going, how dare they? This is a disgrace. Foreign investment, blah, blah. It's, it's gone too far. And now people are going, I think it's... And Hoddle came out and said, happy days. Bring in the money and let's pump it back into a great game and push England and, and, on, and grassroots up to another level. And no one's, and other guys are coming in going, it's great because, yeah, let's have the big games in Wembley, but why don't we do a bit of a tour again like we did when Wembley was being built? It was brilliant and I think they were unbeaten or something. They went on a great record. Yeah, yeah. So maybe there's a bit of uh, legs to that, but it's been very much... Okay, let's see what happens. And yeah. uh, no big uh, pro- protest from no too big many. protest. And the fact that it costs seven hundred and fifty-seven million yeah. to build, yeah, and they're, they're willing to sell it for six hundred million. What's that all about? Like I know that they said that it could end up being a billion. But yeah, that's just from match day revenue and all, which yeah. you expect. And I know that there is certain games where they won't be low play at Wembley because if he gets the, the Jackson, yeah. the Jaguars, if you want to call it. But them. maybe that's where they won't have a problem because like Old Trafford's 70-odd and I, the buzz are going around the country again. I think it could be a best of both worlds because I'm sure the rest of the country would love uh, England coming into town because they've plenty of stadium. Mm. I know Wembley and the big dream and the big uh, kind of uh, aura around it and I get that, but there's no reason why they shouldn't be playing like an Azerbaijan up in... Ellen Road or something like that instead of well, 50,000 FA Cup finals oh no they'll always be in Wembley I yeah. think as far you as I know hope. I think all the precious games will always be in Wembley as far as I know that won't change plus the NFL season's not going to be on in May and June anyway Yeah. so they should be okay it's probably going to be maybe the autumn internationals that might have a bit of a problem but that's about it but apparently according to the Jacksonville Jaguars I was watching one of them where they had like a local news person on talking to Sky and the one fix they've always had a fixture every year in London. He's always made sure they've had at least one of the three international or international series games there. Yeah. And apparently it's nearly twenty percent of their entire revenue for the year. So Jacksonville are going to lose their team. Potentially, yeah. Now they're n- new enough, but you know, so many big cities have lost theirs. I know fair enough. I've no connection, I'm sure, to people at Jacksonville would be gutted, but And will the Mer- would the Americans have a problem with an English team coming into it because obviously they're going to be called well, the London whatever the whatever. London Royals or something something yeah <laughs> so um, I don't know that's where we must get Nick in in the next week or two and yeah, see cause because that's I a, don't know if the, like sport over there is a little different though Shannon when you think about it it is business you know and if they kind of sell it in the right way the Americans will buy it do you know what I mean So, but Jacksonville could end up like Shelbyville you know that other town that no one really you know <laughs> <laughs> tumbleweed and stuff like that so it's, 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 you t- I know think about I know. the kids but like Baltimore the famous story of Baltimore Colts and they went over to Indianapolis so they survived yeah you know. know I don't think they, the Ravens now I oh, understand and obviously we're not from the States so we can kind of go I don't really care but who knows now the only thing that would be interesting is is the deal with White Hart Lane they have a three or four game deal an NFL deal a season with in White Hart Lane oh have they yeah so are they still going to have international series games there? Oh. But the London franchise just play strictly in Wembley. What's going to happen there? Like, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, are, are Spurs kind of getting a bit nervy about this deal? How long do they have that deal with Spurs? I, I don't wonder. know. I think it's a couple of seasons. They, so I think they, they, may, they may just play that out. 
Exactly, exactly. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be Shaggy Khan's team has to play there. Yeah, I'm sure it's just three or four anything, regular yeah. season games. But it'll be just interesting to see what way it goes. But, uh, yeah, very understated, very much kind of like, yeah, okay, happy days. But yeah. as, I, as I said, I never knew Wembley was privately owned. It was just always regardless of home Wembley, yeah? yeah. Up until the FA took it on when they rebuilt it. I presume that the offer will be to... There may be a, a sell-back, you know, buy-back clause. Possibly, but I'm sure they'll have plenty of say in it and... I suppose with the regular season, you're talking September to December, basically. So you're only talking one or two potential fixtures to be affected. And that's where, you know, can England handle it in a cold November in Stoke? <laughs> 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 that's where we'll have. But anyway, uh, more uh, news and shenanigans coming up after the break. out yes so coming up actually uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry I was doing something else well yes uh, very much <laughs> uh, we have uh, Arsenal and Ireland legend Emma Bourne coming up at 9 o'clock obviously because we're professionals we forgot to bring that up at, uh, at 8 o'clock but yeah the legend that she is uh, over 20 year service for Ireland and numerous uh, trophies ridiculous amount of trophies yeah, with Arsenal so she's coming up at, uh, at 9 o'clock and can't wait to get her story about her own situation with Ireland, in, in Ireland and with Arsenal and obviously what um, Ireland's current situation and where she thinks we're going to go and, and yeah. how much uh, we're going to progress with Colin B- Bell and the gang and uh, yeah she's coming up after nine so looking forward to that good I have any stories <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Roy uh, are you alright there today beautiful sound. yes Emma Bourne's coming up yes yeah. that's, that's yes. can I bring up <laughs> we're going to go America for a minute Shaquem Griffin stereotypical kind of first name that will kind of make you think what the hell yeah. uh, or it could be Shaquem I don't know but uh, he's become the first one-handed player to be drafted by the NFL team after selection by the Seattle Seahawks one-handed yeah now yeah one-handed yeah because you can see there's a picture of him here looking uh, resplendent in his uh, fancy rig out uh, suit but you can see yeah obviously he's only got the one hand but he's a linebacker so he's defence so he has to kind of use his hands and obviously in his case how good is he if he can only use one hand yeah and the fifth round it's not like there's plenty of rounds in the NFL so I can only imagine what he could have been like but what he is like he's obviously good enough you didn't see any video clips or anything did no you? I literally seen, seen a headline this morning I went yeah right whatever and then I seen the picture I went Jesus yeah, they're not We're lying have to and then this guy look ah we have to do a bit more on him. but yeah he's become the first one handed player to be drafted by the NFL team he had his left hand amputated when he was just four having been born with a condition that prevented the fingers on his hand from fully developing so his, his twin brother Shaquille was selected by the Seahawks in the third round last year so his brother went in last year and he came in this year so uh, a lot of people are asking are you worried about where you're going to go in the draft are you worried about what team you're going to be in and he says if I can get to a practice that's when everyone is going to see who I really am I'm not worried about where I go what time I get picked or what team picks me as long as I get a chance to get to practice I'm going to show everybody what I can really do so 
Shaquem, 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 listen, good luck to you, mate, and I, I'm real with you. Warner Brothers are all over. Ah, uh, okay, because you can see a picture of them here and all, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, you're looking at it and it's, it's not what you'd expect to see of an American footballer, and I can only imagine just how good he is. Uh, so, yeah, watch this space. One of my favourite uh, football records has been broken last week. Okay. Gainsborough Trinity, who were established in 1873, were relegated from the National North. And it's the, no! it's the first time they Why have, is this so important? Because it's the first time they've ever been promoted or relegated in their uh, 145 years. They've just been in, they've been division. in that league for 145 What's it called years. now, though? Because I'm sure it wasn't called that before. The National North. There is a National North. There's a North and a South. Brilliant. And no, they, I know that, but I'm, good, I can, I'm sure the, na- the league's oh, name has changed yeah, millions oh, of sure times. Has, but they've yeah, literally yeah. been in... That, that division for 145 years. And, I, and what's worse is they got relegated. They didn't, yeah, they didn't even go up. After yeah. all that time being in that division, you say, right, no, we're, we're laying a platform here. <laughs> National League North. Is this the one before the conference? Yeah, there's a th- North and This is the one the FC United... No, not FC United. Salford City look like they're going to go into the main conference next year. They yeah. think they're top. Yeah. Are they, so it's a decent level. Salford won. Yeah, well, there you go. So, yeah. but, so it's a decent league because yeah. it's what potentially six divisions. Potentially six. Well, yeah. six and a, six, six A, six B. Yeah, I think two go up from each one yeah. anyhow. So yeah. So they're a decent side. Yeah, yeah. So they're a decent side, but they're there. That's got it. If there was ever an average Joe, like team. imagine a, a 50, 60 year old like fan who's been with them for years. That's got to be gut wrenching. Oh, unreal. And you think we have problems as Liverpool United fans? You know, <laughs> we lose one game and it's like, oh my god, how can we lose the Stoke? And now it's like. Oh, Gains well, whoever you are, that lonely fan, because <laughs> it probably is. I'm, I feel for you, mate. That's, that's tough. And if you're 145, well done. <laughs> that's tough. Mm-hmm. The London Martin last Sunday, in my uh, kind of lazy, hungover state line on the couch in Malaga, kind of looking at going, Bleh. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was very interesting, but I just want to bring up, obviously we can talk about the main part of it, but London Martin imposter sparks outrage after finding runners fallen race number and complete the last two miles to claim the medal. Oh, did you see that? <laughs> I did see that. Now that is, that reminds me, I remember doing our school, uh, <laughs> our school sports day, right? And they did a, I can't remember what it was. It was like, I think it could have been 1500 meter or something like that race. And David Price came in on the last corner and jogged in and sprinted by everyone and won the gold medal. <laughs> there was a big crowd on the side and he just kind of ran along the side and joined in coming around the last bend for the last 120 metres or whatever yards or whatever it was and won the gold medal. Ah, David Price. Yeah, there you go. So that's what he did. You've been named in shame, yes, Price. Shame. Call in uh, 87 <laughs> to defend your name. Uh, but yeah, a mate of his, Jake Holiday is Halliday is the name of the guy who's no. It actually, he was still in the race, but the number came off. But you're not allowed to finish, and apparently he was taken off the course after 24 miles. Right. So that poor guy. And as it says here, one of his mates put up on Twitter: "Spare time for Jake Holiday. He's trained for over six months in all weather, dedicated every moment to the London Martin raised money for his charity. His number falls off his shirt, and this guy picks it up and runs the last two miles." He also claims Jake's medal. Whilst poor Jake, who had actually run 26.2 miles, doesn't get this. The imposter even has the cheek to pose for pictures. Now, <laughs> if you look at the pictures, like he finished without, he'd no top on, shaved head, giving it the big one in front of all the... No it's, uh, it's, it's hilarious. But God love poor L. Jake. So I'm sure the fact that it's been put out there, I'm sure London Martin will give the guy, like, give Jake a, a medal and... And, and your man's still hanging on to and it. your man's probably still he's probably in the booze of that night yeah mate you're not mate I'll, I'll, I'll rent 26 miles more isn't it <laughs> yeah. you're not mate 
I cannot, now that's presuming he's a cockney. <laughs> Uh, he doesn't look like a stereotypical cockney there, but I'm not going to get myself into trouble. But yeah, poor old, uh, poor old Jake Halliday. Hopefully he gets a medal anyway. We'll, we'll try and keep an eye on it and see, does he? But um, yeah, the main marathon, Mo. Mo done well. He broke, broke the British record. He managed to... Bit of giving out. He has. No, he had a bit of giving out during the race. Ah, uh, about his, water. his water bottles. He made a balloons of both of them. Yeah. He, like, one of them, maybe not him... I don't, I'm not sure the way it works I was trying to listen to Paula Radcliffe explain it but what it looks like is they all have their own bottle and they usually put a fancy sticker or something to really shout out this is mine Yeah. but there was one very similar to his and I think in the first one he picked up the other guy's bottle and then the second one he went to pick it up but dropped it and had to go back again And it was just a farce for the first two Yeah. but um, apparently they're told plenty of time in advance which table because the elites have their own table because they might have fancy electrolyte type whatever drinks it's not just going to be stereotypical water yeah, for these guys yeah, yeah. or whatever they put in allegedly <laughs> <laughs> but not why he's he, he wants to have his own like just, oh like well they all do because to make sure it's clean and yeah, there's nothing yeah. and, and that's the ultimate reason it's not because of what's in them um would it have affected him that much probably not to be honest the, the guy kipchoge is the ultimate um marathon runner at the, mm-hmm. at the minute he's the one that did that experiment that night did last year where they tried to break the two minute or two, two minutes, two, two hour, where they were on the Monza track and they had pace, uh, different pacemakers every six months, so they were really fresh to really try and drag them along. Wouldn't have been an official world record, but it was just to see, and yeah. they got close, but mm. didn't happen. But Mo kind of got up to him, I think it was around a 20 mile marker a bit before, and as soon as he got up to him, your man kept talking about, we'll see. And he went up into his marathon thing and just blitzed them. Right. Now, Mo was still in an impressive time. He came toward, you never know, another year or two, he might, but who knows, it might be a step too far. Yeah, this guy is ridiculous. It's good to see him push, isn't it? It's good to exactly. see him go for it. But he's tested now. Yeah. Like he wasn't being tested in the last six years or whatever. So it's great for him, and it's given him another couple of years to go. Because like, look at Haley Gebber still. So he was going into his mid forties breaking yeah, world records. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. you know, good luck to him. And uh, obviously, in the women's, they had kind of male. Uh, they tried to only have women's only a year or two ago because the whole world record type things. Some of the they were trying to take Paula Radcliffe away because it was a male. Uh, pacemakers and stuff like that but she's still kind of regarded as a butch yeah, yeah it was an interesting race but it was fun to watch over 40,000 there and obviously the warmer temperatures there was one guy in a rhino suit I, I hope he made it <laughs> I hope he lived let alone made it I just hope he made it and or lived I mean and unfortunately there was one yeah. casualty I think he was a chef or something and like uh, he's 29 years of age yeah. shocking so it shows you I mean you're going in for these things you really are it, yeah. it's not a mess like. yeah and it was gas because there's a bit of a half an hour lull after the women go and then the men go so they're showing all the throngs and throngs of people and all Steve Cram kept saying please look after yourselves today don't be heroes take your time because it's a bit Too warmer warm. plenty of water don't push yourselves because it happens you know and it's terrible sad anyway did you see the we'll talk about Italian how's the muffin Italian fans <laughs> yeah, it's not bad I, I just don't have any time to eat it <laughs> the Italian fans we talk about Roma fans uh, the other night Jeez, but we won't yeah. go into them at the moment did you see the, the video clip of the Napoli and Juventus fans walking down the same street in Torino no, no. But straight away I'm thinking this is not so, good because so Higuain uh, and everything else uh, if, if you have a look at the, the, the video that uh, has the Juventus fans up one end the Napoli fans down the other end and they're all chanting at each other it says uh, here, here's the video of two snarling rival fir- uh, firms from Napoli and Juventus renewing acquaintances before their huge Serie A clash last Sunday night 
and they all run in to the center and they all start having a nice cuddle. <laughs> this is last night? No, last week. So this I, was before the shenanigans that happened with Roman. Yeah, I think Napoli won 1-0 in it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was before it. So they all had, had, had down one end of the street, the other's down the other end of the street, and they all ran in together. It looked like it was going to tear each other, and then they all started hugging each other. And I think it was a kind of a thing. It might have been a, 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 a slant on, you know, people are always slating the Italian fans, and, the, the, and these were the firms. And I think it was a bit staged by them that they went in, they made sure it was all recorded. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, a cuddle a I suppose, from the thing. And when you look at what happened with Roma and yeah, Liverpool, uh, it's, it's the way fans should be. Yeah, and like, without knowing everything, it very much seemed, it was the opposite end of the ground, so very much seemed like that's what they were there for. Yeah. By the looks of it. Yeah. And there's pictures, like stills of holding hammers you don't hold hammers walking to a ground unless you're no. going to bloody use it so no. um, I'm not saying it's all one sided without a shadow of a doubt because it's fairly most of it's been perceived that that's what it was and it, it could very well have been I don't know but uh, it was shocking and uh, hopefully he comes through and there was a nice touch yesterday there was a picture of the dressing room and I think it was between Firmino and Salah they had the I think it's St. Paul's GAA of Dunboyne they had that jersey up and the scarf and stuff kind of in the dressing room with them yesterday just to kind of yeah. kind of put it in perspective and why they do it yeah. and uh, hopefully and, uh, uh, and all the, comes good the other side was to save Suarez uh, you know remember that t-shirt ah sure look that was that's Brendan Rodgers <laughs> that's long gone I, I couldn't see Klopp doing something like that now, to be honest now uh, with the Roma fans if you look at their previous and the list of teams that they have caused trouble with in Rome and outside of mm. Rome if that was an English club and there's no doubt if that was an English club yeah. they'd be getting banned and without getting too much into it or they'd be playing behind closed doors for a long time and so. without getting too kind of Liverpooly here and the whole lot but the 84 final was the premise for what happened in Heysel in 85 yeah because um, the amount of stories you, you hear when they're like Daglish's book and everyone else's like they kind of say we're not defending what happened in 85 but none of you have it, no one has a clue what happened in 84 and by all accounts they were terrorised and um, they played Roma in Rome in the European final and by all accounts it was it was pretty grim what some of the, what went on and then it started to happen again in Heysel and enough was enough yeah. now I'm not defending it and I was shocked at what happened in Heysel but this has been going on for 40-50 years like, like in England but it's only in England they get into trouble it's the same though out in Galatasaray yeah was it this weekend they were taking on their great rivals where somebody nearly dies almost every time they every clash. time yeah. yeah and nothing is ever done yeah. I don't know what it is if it's, it's UEFA or FIFA sure, or whoever and they seem to buckle under the, the, the pressure of whatever it is I remember the 442 article um, I, I read a couple of years ago and the way they organise it now miles away and in the fields and stuff and it was the same in Holland and there was a picture and you can just see just devastation everywhere but there was like two bodies just lying there yeah, and I think one of them unfortunately was dead but it's just, it's just and uh, who cares so it's, it's not England let's move on the Turks FA must have something what's going to happen in Russia if, 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 if no, the ultras I, get stuck in if I, was gonna, if I was an English fan I wouldn't be gone not a chance I tell you they'd be crazy and by all accounts as far as I know I think the official supporters groups and stuff are very much kind of going listen if you're going here's some of the rules like you know don't be yeah. taking over a pub and sticking the George's cross everywhere and letting everyone know who you are you're literally asking for it yeah. not whether you whether you intend to cause trouble or not you were asking for trouble to come to you you know and uh, and having the World Cup it. in Russia is a whole other story cha-ching <laughs> <laughs> let's leave it there will we <laughs> one kiss all it takes, all it ever takes, possibilities and if I call you me
summer tune there with El Carol and Harris with Dua Lipa with uh, One Kiss. So, uh, where do you want to go or do you want to go anywhere? Not yet. <laughs> uh, well then, speaking of uh, Liverpool and Rome, I can't wait to bring it up, but uh, yeah, the old Champions League. Liverpool have it in the bag, do they? Like to try and be a bit fair, but realistically, is Lightning going to strike twice? Yes, it's, it's already struck twice. That's the second time Roma have come back against uh, Barcelona. They had, uh, I can't remember who it was. No, like this season. Yeah, this, this season they've come back twice the, in the round before. That. I can't remember who it was before. There were, there were a couple of goals behind. So, But you would think, it, well, Liverpool wouldn't deserve to win anything if they don't get through. So yeah, like anyway. they're in a position that they definitely should. Yeah. And they are capable of scoring goals, although they were pretty toothless against Stoke yesterday. So it was. It, I watched the game. It just reeked of there's a game on Wednesday that's way more important. Even though yesterday a win was kind of needed just to put Champions League to bed. Because Chelsea beat us next week, all of a sudden, them next two games are important again because all of a sudden we're being brought back into um, potentially missing out on the Champions League unless we win it. Yeah. So we've dropped four points in the last two games from protecting ourselves because of Roma. So the pressure is on Wednesday. Personally, I don't think it's massive purely on the fact that I think we're a different opposition the way we play. Uh, I just can't see them having the perfect game again where they score three goals and get unanswered. They have to completely change how they play defensively because that pocket space for Salah was just a joke. Yeah, It was a joke and they'll have to go back to four four two realistically. Eric Peters done a great job of them yesterday. To say, to say that you are playing Liverpool who mm. play more or less three up front Yeah. To play three at the back, three v three, yeah. and a high line—that was the worst part of it. They played a high line that it left yeah. so much space in behind. Yeah, Every, Liverpool could have won by ten. And oh yeah, probably. Hopefully, it doesn't come back to. I don't genuinely. I don't think it will, but it just gives the game a bit more of a meaning now, and it gives it a bit more. Like it's still out there. It's still a little bit open. While a five 0 it was dead. Um, so for the neutrals and stuff it's fantastic for them. But for me, I'm not. It's one of the rare games where I'm not as nervous as I probably usually would be. And it's not because I'm that confident about Liverpool anymore. I just can't see that kind of a league being blown and that type of attacking football on Liverpool and Liverpool not to score a goal or two. Yeah, that's why that's why I'm not as nervous. Um, because for about sixty minutes, it was just unbelievable as a Liverpool fan to watch them absolutely dismantling the team. Now the first fifteen twenty minutes, it looked like Jesus have Roma clicked here. Have they got something? They were penning Liverpool down. They were kind of creating an odd chance with you, and you're thinking, Jesus, yeah, this is going to be the tight game, which I kind of thought it might be. Um, but then obviously they got the one chance with Mane, and everything came to life. Everything started going over the top, technically clever over the top football, and it just opened them up. Yeah, it was yeah. just unreal. No, they just absolutely destroyed them. Unbelievable! It was great to watch. Yeah, but it was also great to watch the two, the ten minutes that Roma had, and it made it a game out of it. Oh yeah, and it shouldn't have been a game it was at all. Incredible game for I mean, they got a penalty that wasn't a penalty. That's yeah. that's, that's fair enough. And the, I tell you, he would have been very disappointed with the goal that they let in because they in in clips before the game they had shown that goal exactly yeah the goal little floaty cross field ball against to Chelsea Jekko. and yeah. two or three other times that Jekko peels away takes it on the chest and but that's it. the beauty of football like defenders have to be right all the time strikes only have to be right once but you know but I'd say they were shown that clip a million times oh 100% so they talked about that there's no yeah, 100%. doubt about it so I don't actually even think it's Lovren's total See fault that, yeah. because the fullback needs to be there too 
Oh, you know, he, he's he got a bit of stick space. from... I can't remember which panel I was watching, but yeah, he was getting a bit of stick going. Yeah, he was too far out wide. Yeah, yeah. He should have been kind of protecting as well. Um, I'm not buying the whole Salah made a big difference coming off. Any manager worth their salt to 5-0 would protect the kind of superstars. Some people say, oh, Messi and Ronaldo never come off. And, uh, listen, it's not that big of a deal. Personally, I don't yeah. think. Well, some of the attitudes of the players might have dropped a little bit going, right, let's close it out now and let's relax and sit back or whatever. But I think maybe that's what they're, they're, they're coming yeah. from because to, to maybe it is probably like oh, we're five 0 Yeah, we can rest players yeah. now, and maybe the whole team sort of did relax mm. it yeah. a degree. But it shouldn't. It shouldn't yeah. affect the team. And uh, as Danny much, Ings is a remarkable player. Yeah, because as much <laughs> as we are a bloody good side at the moment, it's still very much reliant on that top three, and that's all we have. Like yeah. Ings and Solanke do not replace them. And Manny missed yesterday. By all accounts, he will be fit on Wednesday. If one of them goes out, Manny, you could maybe get away with it. He's the only one. And it's only a series, maybe. But one of the other two go, we're incredibly ordinary. Mm. And that's why I have no problem with him coming off of yeah. uh, five nil up. Yeah. I have no issue with it. Real Madrid? Yeah, now, I didn't see much of the game. By all accounts, it wasn't the greatest of games. Um, I was watching a lot of, an, I was watching a bit of the analysis afterwards where it was kind of, I came in at, they were talking about Liverpool. But Dunphy said it before five times. That's the difference between Liverpool and Bayern. Liverpool have the pace. So mm. I don't know whether Bayern had a lot of ball and if they just had somebody with legs might have been a bit more incisive. Well, they lost I'm not sure what he was getting at because I didn't see Bayern much of the Bayern lost a couple of players early, early on in, in the game. Within the first 20 minutes, they had to make two substitutions. Uh, Robin, uh, I can't remember who came on, mm. uh, but Thiago came on instead of him. So. Mm. But anyway, they made a couple of substitutions early on. But... To just look, I mean, they've got Robin and Ribery. They're both out of contract at the end of the season. 34, 35. So yeah. they're looking to reshape their team. Now, Muller wouldn't have bags of pace either. Ribery played very, very well. Mm. But they just, I don't know, there was something something not finished about yeah. them at the finished article. There's just something not finished yeah. about them. And Madrid, on a, Madrid, I think, won the game on pure experience. That's what it looked like, the little bits I've seen. It looked like they just know how to do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're under a bit of pressure. Relax. We'll get our chances. We have enough going. Because they are clinical. Now, I'm saying that now. Real Madrid were very open. And this is where Liverpool could could open the It could be a great final for the neutrals. Yeah. It could be one of them. A trial. It could be a very attacking like game. Like the yeah. Milan game obviously had full of drama. This one could easily match it. Yeah, so and, and, and more it could be ridiculous so bound to be nil now yeah <laughs> okay we'll, we'll talk yeah, more about that after I mean, next week after the the, the, the other round ole, ole, ole. <laughs> ole, ole, ole. Oh, what are you doing so we've got so what are you going to talk about uh, we've we got the snooker and the World Championships are on. Always a good time of the year for snooker because really, I think anyone who has any interest in snooker really, apart from I think the UK Masters, yeah, is just you've, beyond. You've these two weeks. Is this two weeks? Yeah. I mean, I know they're trying to push it as much as they possibly can, but these two. Yeah, weeks Barry Harris doing a good job. He's kind of yeah. doing what they did with the darts, and they're kind of having these weekend tournaments worth a nice few quid, and they're going around. And in fairness, for the lads, they seem to be quite happy. Yeah. So they are getting there. Um, and make it a bit more competitive and instead of just five or six tournaments a year there's 30 odd yeah but do tell uh, well 
I suppose the first I suppose we'll talk straight away about the the, the controversy yesterday yes which shocking was uh, which you don't expect to see no. in snooker which is Ronnie O'Sullivan and Ali Carter Ali Carter now we always talked about uh, characters and stuff like that in the game I remember well, Alex Higgins headbutted someone before <laughs> right so you're kind of going right where are the characters in it but Ronnie O'Sullivan is a character always and forever he has been always but I think what's happening with Ronnie O'Sullivan he's getting frustrated now because he played in the first round and scraped by against oh I can't think of his name is the long format boring for him no I don't think it's boring for him I think actually he's just probably sometimes he is he's a bit like the Gallagher's no name Gallagher they can just get bored one day and just not bother well didn't he shake hands early with Peter Ebden one year and said yeah Yeah. just walked off and Peter Ebden standing there going what what and the, the famous thing of we had a one four seven and the prize money was cut and he decided to miss the black. black That's right, black, yeah. You know, yeah. so he does yeah. have this kind of previous, but yeah, in this game, Ali Ali Carter, go on. No, rewind it. Oh, rewind it. So Do you want to No, we're not going to rewind it. Right. Yeah, God, no, because you'll keep watching uh, Jimmy White on the I'm screen. Jimmy. <laughs> I'm Jimmy. Remember uh, Jim Davis and them big break? Jimmy. <laughs> but they had uh, Ali Carter was leading and most much and uh, he got up to take a shot Sullivan's after missing a, a, a colour and he got up to take a shot and as Sullivan was walking back and Ali Carter was walking in getting the shoulder <laughs> now this is snooker so you don't see this too often it's incredibly gentlemanly the game and yeah. they're very honest about whether they touch the ball by accident or whatever and they're very much a bit like golf and etiquette so yeah so thrown this, shoulder in this is like a no-no for for snooker and was it know? a really obvious shoulder or was it more it was more of, of a, a more of a, a clip shoulder so it wasn't like into it wasn't into the chest mm. it was more of a, a clip shoulder it was kind of a little flick of the, of the shoulders and uh, ali carter seemed walking off smiling because he knows that the reason why he's doing it is because he's getting he's beaten got and he's yeah. he, he, he's panicking a bit. So he's but, another one of the big ones gone. It, well, he's another one of the big ones gone. He says, it says uh, the rocket caught Carter with a slight shoulder as he made his way off the table. Having fluked Carter into a snooker, O'Sullivan informed Carter this was one for being Mr. Angry. Informing his opponent that it was his shot. Carter simply replied, thanks very much, very nice of you. A fairly juvenile O'Sullivan was then encouraged by a referee to just play on. And uh, it, it, it's kind of really bizarre, mm. but he uh, he turned around and he started telling them, he says, yeah, go on, Mr. Angry, go on, Mr. Angry, and taunting him nearly. In, in, in Ali the, Carter? No, uh, I think it was the other way around. So he's he's saying that Ali Carter's Mr. Angry, but I think there's there's a couple of demons there in, in Ronnie O'Sullivan's game. Maybe there's a bit of niggle with him over the years, you wouldn't know. And Ali Carter, no, Ali Carter has been, I think he has, uh, he's beaten cancer twice. He's beaten cancer twice, yeah. I yeah. think he Incredible might story. have Crohn's or something no, like I'm that. Not, yeah. I'm not sure of his full story, but, but I, always, the, I always knew he, he took the a end, year to out with cancer. When the thing was over, O'Sullivan just got up and walked out. No and shaking the hands on Ali Carter Ali Carter turned around the crowd and he gave it loads oh, yeah. right if you look at Dennis Taylor winning the World Cup or the, the World, World Championship, Championship it was 10 times that he was giving the fist pumps and everything it was oh, rub it in Why rub not? it in yeah, so. throw it back on him yeah so but it was great it's great television so that exactly it, cause it makes it now you see because in fairness when you look into the crowd there's always one or two who are half asleep uh, uh, yeah there is yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the most entertainment when you're watching it for an hour going right where are they going to zoom in and someone asleep I love when watching against the game. and they all have their earpieces in so they can hear the, the yeah. commentary and you'll have Dennis Taylor or something like that talking and they'll say something humorous and you'll just see all the shoulders going <laughs> in the crowd because <laughs> they're all going, to it. yeah I mean, sorry <laughs> didn't the fella get thrown out there last year for snoring 
Yeah, he did. He got thrown out for snoring. See, it's always a thrill at the World Snooker Championship. <laughs> please, please, uh, it's a great, it's a must-see spectator sport. If anyone doesn't know, you have to see it. It's, you have a chance to fall asleep, but seriously, you might uh, see a brush of a shoulder. The reigning champion, Mark Selby. Went out first round. Went out first round to Joe Perry, who then went out in the last round to Mark Allen. Uh, Nord 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 who's playing very very well and I punished think, Joe Perry for every mistake that he think, made uh, let's say a rival fight. we're not on their level let's say a rival uh, a sports show had uh, Fergal Bryant and Keith Keith, Keith, Keith Darty. he wishes <laughs> Ken Darty on um, on their show there about two days beforehand and I think Ken was the one who stuck his neck out and said I've, I've, he, he's not my favourite favourite but he's second authority he, he tipped he his hat to Mark Allen he said he's in a bit of good form and yeah. he's got a great shot Fergal wasn't so sure but, <laughs> but yeah, anyway but he won the UK Masters exactly said, so well, that's what he said and he's that's recent form. form So he said he's a form player and he's looking good and he said from talking to him he, he, he says he fancies him a bit behind the one or two obvious of Selby and O'Sullivan at the time so uh, yeah you never know might yeah. see another Northern Irishman getting his hands on the on the I was going to say the Claret Jug or whatever it's Ar- not got Ar- a trophy has it Irish Irish if he wins he's Irish oh he's Irish he's is Irish, he yeah, yeah. see we're just as bad as the English we can dress it up all we want but we are uh, oh yeah we'd be cheering them on we don't mind and of course I don't of course, care yeah. but yeah but uh, Jesus uh, we're kind of playing close to the fence there <laughs> we should get Neil Dobbs on for the political side of things shouldn't we right we're going to go uh after this song, we're going to play Voodoo People from The Prodigy. Get ourselves and? pumped up and raring to go. But after that, we have Emma Bourne again, as you said. Uh, Irish and Arsenal uh, player who... Well, hasn't she won? Oh, so it's, it's, it's crazy when I, we were looking at Could she be bored of winning? I wonder, could she be bored of winning? I don't know, we'll ask her. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk to you after this. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Now, it's fair to say that Republic of Ireland have been blessed when it comes to the quality goalkeepers over all these years. Packy Bonner, Alan Kelly, Dean Coyley, Shea Given and Darren Randolph to name a few. But and Mickey Coggle. No. <laughs> but it's fair to say that none of these could compare to Ireland's most successful keeper. With 11 Premier Leagues, 9 FA Cups, 8 League Cups, 1 Champions League, Emma Bourne is truly Ireland's greatest number one. <laughs> Emma, welcome to the big kickoff. Hello, thank you. Hello. Thank you very much. Listen, before we talk about your career and all that success, right, it's, it's only about nine months since you hung up your goalkeeper gloves. How's retirement going? Uh, what have you been up to? And uh, is there a lot of food that you've been eating that you've never ate before? <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. Um, it's been going grand. Like uh, You're right, it hasn't been that long. Uh, but it's been different. I've been seeing how normal people live. Um, I'm working, <laughs> which is not great. But I've I realised that I had a really easy life before, yeah. and you know it's difficult. For, it's kind of difficult to adapt to that. But um, I'm really enjoying it, to be honest, because it's a new experience for me, and I was looking forward to a new challenge. It was time. 
And how do you find that, like, obviously not being in this bubble where you're being told what to do for most of your life? How do you yeah. find it now having your own decisions to make? Yeah, that was really weird for me at the start, like, having to make my own decisions. <laughs> little things like what to wear every day. What to eat, uh, What to eat, exactly. Uh, what to eat, not, like, just working around my own schedule and being responsible for myself that was very strange I never had to do that I know that that, that might sound a bit strange for people but, but that's what is the biggest struggle for ex-professional yeah. footballers isn't yeah. it and that's where a lot of them do struggle in the, the kind of mental side of things for a year or two with that not no no and to be quite honest I can understand yeah. I can understand that struggle it was um, it's a completely different environment you're in um, you're not there's nobody there to remind you of stuff there's nobody there like you're not with a, a group of people it's like we're, we're like lemmings just getting led everywhere and meeting up and getting brought somewhere I, I used to know who we were playing I, just, <laughs> I don't know who we were playing like just take me and put me in goal <laughs> I know I have a game somewhere and, and after that I know we'll have three points it was, it's just it's very surreal but so how did you originally when because football I suppose or in, in Ireland back in I suppose in the in the 90s and stuff like that girls football women's football it wasn't huge was it how did you get no. into football um well I, I used to play football like with my brothers so I have two older mm. brothers yeah. as you know yeah. um Johnny and Stephen and we used to play football out the back and you know just, uh, I think everyone kicked the ball at least once in their life, yeah. in, in their childhood. And it just depends on whether you're good at it or whether you liked it, that you carried on with it. And I was, oh, we were a very sporty family. Um, apart from my uh, older sister, we were probably better in the the practical side than theory. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> But uh, did you have I, little? Yeah, I, would you had little street leagues or anything like that in the yeah, area? Yeah, we always, we always did. We were so competitive as well, and it was like it's like the World Cup playing like five <laughs> side up in the green with jumpers as goal. Yeah, that's great. Um, we were all the leagues where I'm from. Um, is, is quite a sporty place. We were quite good at sports. Good. And uh, we had good teams, yeah. so we were really competitive. Leeslip is like uh, Luke and Shelbyville, you know, in The <laughs> Simpsons. Uh, Shelbyville, and, and, yeah, it's like, it's like oh, Leeslip. Yeah, but we always used to beat Luke. And this is what, <laughs> they never speak about this. You're always better than Luke. Okay, on to the next question. Uh, so, listen, you, 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 play, you played obviously with Leeslip, and you, you moved on to St. Pat's. Uh, what, what was what was it like there in St. Pat's at the time? Yeah, it was really, like it was good. That was the first like a senior league senior team I was on when I was with Leeds. It was with all of my friends. Yeah, we were playing in an underage uh, league, but then we went up to the women's league. Even with Leeds, we went up to the women's league, but it was still all my mates. It was and we were like fourteen playing in the women's <laughs> league. So St. Pat's was the first senior team and the first environment I went into on my own. Right. So it was difficult. It was really a big decision for me to leave everyone and go there. And there was there was a bit of pressure, to be honest, from me, from other players and from my manager to stay. Um, and would you have been like? A, would you have formed your your six foot sort of uh, height yeah. at that stage? I've been six foot since I was 
four. I was, I, was I was a freak growing up. It finally came to an advantage after years of dreaming about being smaller. Did you get picked on in school? Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> no, because I think I two older brothers. I was never Oh, yeah, that's on. true. That's true. Yeah, that's a bonus. All right. So obviously, yeah, so you, you, you felt a little bit a little bit out of sorts the same path so you decided to go to Denmark I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to try this Fortu- no, please don't Fortuna Horing Hor- be careful now no? what, what, yeah, how did very you, good yeah that's it okay <laughs> so how, how did that come about Fortuna Horing yeah we were playing with uh, Ireland I was playing on the under 19s um, and I was 16 just gone 16 and we were playing in a tournament and um, it was in Denmark. Denmark were hosting like a friendly international tournament, and we were over there playing. And I don't know, I must have done well, or someone liked me over there. But there was a couple of clubs there, and they contacted our Irish manager, and they asked me and another girl, our left winger, to go over and play for them. And we wouldn't go because we were so young. Like yeah. they were, they they were all nineteen playing in the tournament. We were like, I was just sixteen, so fifteen, sixteen. And uh, we wouldn't go. We were like, nah, I'm not leaving there. And like, what would we do at the weekend? Yeah. And more interesting <laughs> stuff to do, hanging around with our mates. Uh, but they convinced us to go to a tournament in America with them. Okay. With, uh, with the club uh, called the Orange Bowl in Miami. And it was 10 days free trip. So, of course, we agreed to that. And, uh, yeah, and we went... And we played a couple of games for them, did a bit of shopping, <laughs> and they asked they asked me to go and play for them like full time, and I did it. It was just it was a good age because I was just finishing my leave insert, and I knew I probably wasn't going to do as well. I wasn't going to get my doctorate, so yeah. um, it was an option for me to go and do something else, and obviously to experience professional football, which wasn't even a thought in my head because in Ireland there's no such thing there's no such thing in England mm. so the only thing what I did, knew what did about the professional think? football was uh, the Italian league on a Saturday yeah, morning yeah. when my brother used to wake me up with yeah. oh let's go <laughs> so I was like yeah I might as well do it I, I don't know anyone who's done it I'd be the first person to do it in Ireland so yeah no and it's it, we always say it's, it's brilliant because we were talking to uh, Killian Sheridan who's over in Poland, Poland yeah. now and we're yeah. talking about the advantages of going abroad and, and, and to different countries but if yeah. what did your family think about sort of letting you go away to I suppose an, a whole new different country that they probably knew nothing about really they knew absolutely nothing my family <laughs> have a, an amazing skill of not having a conversation <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think we spoke about it. I I think I came in, said I wanted to go at dinner, and that was it. I can't even remember anyone having a response. <laughs> and then I was in Denmark. <laughs> We're unbelievable at this skill. And then pretending we do speak about stuff. Dead yeah, yeah. <laughs> three months later, have you seen Emma? Oh, she's out with yeah, her mates. Where, where the table's she? still set. Oh, by the way, the dog has died six months ago. I'm not joking. This is, this is a true story. Oh, I, I was we had a dog for like 12 years so you can imagine like <laughs> it was like my other brother and um, I rang home once and I said yeah I was I was everyone I was uncle I was, I was like just chatting away and then uh, for some reason I just asked about the dog Fred <laughs> I was like how's Fred 
Oh, Fred's dead. Oh, so he told you, did they? I, and I was like to my mum, well, you're the only one I really speak to on oh, the phone. Gosh. And she was like, oh, Fred died about six months ago. I was like, right. Great, thanks. thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for allowing me to mourn for it. <laughs> so listen, yeah. did you... Uh, did you get homesick? Is that why you came back from Denmark? Yeah, or, yeah. I, was, I was massively homesick. Like, and I'll be honest, I didn't miss my family. I miss my friends hey. more than anything. Yeah. And just my general routine. And it was mm. weird. It was strange for me to go from being in sixth year and seeing my mates every weekend to going to training every day and not having a clue about being a professional sports person. Right. Um, but it was a good so learning curve though for you. It was a huge learning curve. And I'm glad I did it because I never would have been able to adapt to the life in Arsenal without it. So, mm. like, I came home. I think I came home twice in the season and they came over and got me and brought me back. <laughs> it was like <laughs> I was running. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a huge learning curve for me. I was living on my own and I realised that Irish people are a lot mentally younger than the average European, European they are, yeah, so even though I was 18 I felt like a 14 year old yeah. you know yeah. we're, we're all I was kind of... in a flat on my own they gave me a car at 15 <laughs> no way. and I was like have you got any roller boots <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to drive I barely know how to ride a bike like. <laughs> so that was a very unusual experience but as I said it was a great foundation it was uh, definitely built up my the experience to go into a professional career. Great, and uh, I suppose Arsenal came along next, and that yeah. that kind of came about word of mouth more so than anything, was it? From yeah, one of your former. I mean, I was playing for uh, Ireland. Yeah. So I was kind of known around the circuit already, and uh, one of my best friends in the team, Kira Grant from Waterford. Uh, was playing for Arsenal. She had gone the same time I went for Denmark, but Arsenal wasn't professional. It was. Mm. It would have been the same for playing for Pats, but okay. obviously it's a bit more prestigious. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I went home after Denmark, and I thought, well, that's that. That's not for me. I'm going to have to go back to college or <laughs> do something with my life. And uh, I was. I had been speaking to Kira all the time anyway, and she was like, "Oh, listen, um, we need a goalkeeper." Our goalkeeper is injured. She'll be injured for about three months. Why don't you come over and see what you think for about three months? And I was like, not sure. Well, I'll come over like to visit you for the weekend. <laughs> and she was like, okay, do that then. So I went over on a Thursday, I think it Did was. you bring your boots now? Um, no, I didn't bring anything. <laughs> <laughs> I went over on a Thursday and I was coming back on the Monday. And in that space of time, I trained with them because Kira convinced me and the manager convinced me. And I'm realising now it was a ploy to get me to train with them and to try and get convince me to stay. But um, I thought it was a piss up, basically. Um, and I trained with them and the, min the manager convinced me to stay. So I actually stayed an extra two weeks with nothing, just like a, a bag for the weekend. You're going out close. Oh, just going out close. <laughs> <laughs> Shin pads and stilettos. Just amazing. Um, and in the end, after like about 10 days, I came back to Lisa. I got more stuff and went back. And that was it. 
sign a contract. Did you ever get bored of winning after all the years on Arsenal? Probably not, I presume. I'm going to be honest, I did. It really <laughs> bored me. <laughs> and people used to think we were arrogant. Yeah. And I just want to state, we weren't arrogant, we were bored. Because yeah. nobody could beat us. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was, how many league titles did you win in a row? I don't know. You mentioned yeah, them yeah. at the start. Of I know the there's 11 titles. I was like shocked my chin was dropping I was like really <laughs> nine up I never knew that and yeah. that's not being arrogant either that is just being bored of winning but that's the signs <laughs> but that's the signs of the great teams when you hear about Man United in the 90s and the two that within a day they kind of got over it and said right on to the next one so I suppose that's where you obviously had a similar mindset then yeah but the thing was with us was we always wanted more we were a bit yeah. greedy that's yeah. what kept us winning Mm. We wanted the the fifteenth league title. We mm. wanted to make history, and we wanted to make sure no one behind us was going to equal our history. So we always had a challenge, which kept it kind of fresh. And then, of course, we always had the Champions League. So you know that was that was going to keep us going for a while. But in general, you got your hands every on that, didn't you? Sunday, it was like. Oh, who are we playing? I don't know. Who cares? Let's just get the three <laughs> points and get home and. Go for, go for dinner and do whatever you want to do Like so obviously all them league titles and as you were saying there was it kind of a split league where you only had one or two real challengers and then there was just the rest at the, at that stage it was yeah. there was only about three or four teams and then we might have a bad day and another team might be having a good day and we might beat them only 2-0 mm. instead of 6-0 <laughs> like yeah. it was yeah. that, that was that's the truth I think I think when we, uh, we we watched the uh, any time we watched the the women's football from England it was always the FA Cup because they used to always, always show Arsenal. <laughs> and it was yeah. always Arsenal maybe Doncaster Bells or something like yeah, that yeah. who, who were in thankfully it. it was only the FA Cup because if you'd have watched every league game like now there's a lot more coverage sure and um, back then I'm kind of glad there wasn't because we'd be playing teams that you know they'd be like kicking fresh air and we'd be scoring our sixth goal and, right. yeah. you know I'd ring my dad after and he's like how'd you do yeah we went yeah but I mean what was the score and I was like, I'd be like 6-0 and he's like oh Jesus and I'd be thinking <laughs> yeah Jesus they weren't very good <laughs> so you know and at that stage it wasn't I don't think it would have been a good idea to air everything yeah FA yeah. Cup was always going to be a good game and even at that we could be we could win the FA Cup five nil. Yeah, you know? yeah, there was a couple. We just yeah. always had the best teams, the best team in Europe, and uh, the best players. Certainly in England and the UK, mm. uh, you know, and in the the neighbouring nations. Who was your best always. player? Did you play with Emma? I always, I always have to say Olivia O'Toole. Yeah. From from Cher Street, she was the best player I played with, just for a natural talent. Mm-hmm. And if Olivia was in this generation now she'd be a very very rich girl <laughs> and she won't yeah. want to hear that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but she, again different you know horses for courses Olivia was just the most amazing natural talent yeah and she she could have played for a men's team and, and been one of the best players she just had that gift and and she didn't even realise it you know, Olivia liked her. We liked to go for a drink. She liked to do a lot of things that weren't very professional. <laughs> but she was always the best player on the pitch. Yeah. And the best player in Europe. Uh, one of the best players I've ever played against or played with. Um, just an unbelievable player. Yeah. But then for a player that was extremely professional and 
the generation that we grew up in. So uh, at the professional level, it would have been probably Jane Ludlow in midfield. Yeah. Just a pure athlete. Her touch was shocking. <laughs> <laughs> And she won't mind me tell. Well, she might mind me telling you that, but I used to tell her every day as a goalkeeper. I was the only one who would. And she would give away the ball just so she could tackle. So she was a yeah, hard yeah. player. Well, she used to say that, but it was just such a shocking bad touch. Uh, but for an athlete and a player that was box to box, you know, just really enjoyable to play with. Jane uh, Ludlow would probably be one of the best as well. What was the banter like in the dressing room? Did you just have many uh, nights yeah. out and, and a bit of team bonding and stuff like that? Absolutely. Of course, I was always the one leading the team nights out, but um, <laughs> there was a lot of girls that were very professional, wouldn't drink, which uh, is right. understandable. But I was lucky. I was growing up in that era that it was turning into, you know, you, you hear about Tony Adams talking about the yeah. change of an era. Well, I was kind of in that generation for women's football. We loved our nights out, usually mm. on Thursday night. And, uh, and we were very good, like, don't get me wrong. We lived and breathed football, but we'd have at least one night where we enjoyed a drink as well. And it was always great banter. But for me, I'd still I'd still say that's missing yeah. in, in the game because mm. you have to bond, you have to have a break. It's the only release we have. And you're constantly um, in the, the, the football mentality so obviously you're having banter in the dressing room but you need that break because we're 24-7 football we only hung about with people who played football mm, yeah. so our break was with the teammates um, and you just need that well, you, definitely need, well. you definitely need to like the people that you're playing football with and oh, if you don't, if you don't get like the bond everyone. I, I like half the team <laughs> I, here I seen I seen the YouTube clip I only watched it last night it's you I don't know the girl's name Scottish girl Emma like. M and Emma B I was watching M. it as well oh were you watching it <laughs> did you bully oh, that girl no. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a horrible video I was looking at going Jesus Emma's not very nice is she? I, just, I don't know if I want her on tomorrow morning <laughs> not at all that was an act right oh yeah no, me and Mitch, me and Mitch live together, yeah. and we—that's why the family like, got rid of you. <laughs> <laughs> As a goalkeeper, you have to be a bully. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I have to bully my players, and more yeah. importantly, the other players—they have to be afraid of me. Um, no, listen, Mitch loved me. We live together. Well, Mitch was about eight years old, uh, younger than me, so yeah, right. it was like her mother. So right, yeah. yeah, I did bully her. That's what <laughs> mothers do. <laughs> It's probably just miscommunication because she, she went on a bit of a rant about something. One of the questions I was like, what the hell is she saying? Exactly. No one understands her. So I'm not only her mother, I'm her translator. And that becomes quite tiresome after Just her. briefly about acting. What was the story with that metal detecting video? I knew you were going to bring that up. Because I was like, I was to swear, this is a, this is a piss take. But then I was like, hold on. She's acting very well. Does she actually like metal detecting? No. This All right. The amount of people that thought I was serious. But that's I didn't even know what it was about until I turned up. I had no idea. I knew I had to do this cameo thing. Of yeah. Certain, like six minutes, or it was probably longer than that. It was longer. And players, the men, men's players were doing uh, certain things. One, one lad had about gardening and I was supposed to watch it before I turned up but of course I never did any yeah. prep for anything. I was lazy and I was like, You winged oh, yeah, it well though, I'll, I'll give you that. Whatever. 
And when I turned up, I was in the middle of a park, Finsbury Park, yeah. which is the roughest area in London. <laughs> and uh, they just handed me this thing, and I was like, for real. And people were looking at me, and I was like, oh my God, this is so <laughs> embarrassing. But the, the guy that was doing it was really funny. So he got me on this kind of, I, I was buzzing like yeah. off him not realising that people are going to actually watch this because I never watched the, the show. So I was like, ah, second, no one's going to watch it. I'm just going to have a laugh. <laughs> the amount of people that watched it and believed it. I did, I went halfway through it. one summer and my ma was like, oh my God, Emma, it, I was looking at that video. Hilarious. And you know what? I actually love metal detecting too. <laughs> Look, we don't have anything in common. I know you're buzzing, thinking I finally have a connection with my daughter who plays football. But believe me, we still don't. Uh, I don't like Mel. All right. Well, like at least that's close. My mother didn't believe it. <laughs> Uh, listen, we go back, we go back to football again, will we? Uh, the uh, you, you were, I suppose, you were at, a, at the peak of your powers exactly the same time when the the, the men's team and the Invincibles and all were there. Was there much interaction between the teams, or you just kind of left to your own devices, or what way does that work? Uh, yeah, there was. Like we uh, we were based at the training ground, so we seen them all the time, and they were really successful as well. So. Mm we were kind of jumping on the bandwagon and we were doing tours with them and uh, a couple of pre-season trips and we were doing the open top tours around London behind them. Obviously, the peop- more people were there for them, but we were enjoying that uh, success as well because we were winning trebles and going on a continuous run. So it felt like there was a lot of appreciation for how the women's team were doing. And to be honest, at that time we probably made the team a lot more uh, I want to say famous but um, acknowledged yeah. at that time because the men were winning yeah. they were getting mm. lots of um, uh, hype and press coverage which meant we were too so it was a really good time for the club and of course when they stopped winning <laughs> which I, I don't know if one anything well anything serious for a long time yeah we weren't getting that press and we were still winning so yeah. it was that was strange for us as well because we had that hype and then we didn't have as much hype but we were still getting all the success like we were getting that success so we were like oh for feck's sake lads will you just win will you just win a league or something so we can go on an open top bus again yeah. but uh, yeah and it, it, it was strange being around the training ground when they weren't winning and there was pressure on them because we were still buzzing. Yeah. And it's like when you walk into a room laughing and you look around and the, everyone's got faces Dead like smacked arses, if I can say that word. <laughs> so it, it really felt like we weren't, let, we weren't able to enjoy our success oh. when they were being such miserable sods, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and what was Arsene Wenger like? Did he, did he interact with us at all? And Yeah, I loved Arsene Wenger. He was, he was a really nice man, like a real gent. Yeah. And he was super clever, like he knew everything that was going on at the club. He was always interested in the women's team. Like he'd come up to you and shake your hand and he knew the result from the mm. previous day. And unfortunately, he... <laughs> you always knew when I made mistakes for some reason. <laughs> it's true what they say. People remember mistakes. They don't remember mistakes. <laughs> but he'd always be like, oh, it's is, is not, is not so good yesterday. Uh, that ball to the left. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah, I know. laughs> 
so he was interested. He loved football, whether it was men, women, the Spanish league, the French league, the Japanese mm. league. He 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 knew about it, and uh, he always kept up to date. And he always considered us a part of the club. Like he transformed yeah. that club one hundred percent because he was so intelligent. Um, and I believe because he was so intelligent, he was such a gentleman, and he knew how to treat people with respect. Right. You know, he's a great man. So, was there anyone of any time there that you just didn't like? Was there anyone who who comes across as nice but really isn't nice? Are you talking about the men's yeah, side again? Yeah, anyone, anyone oh. really? But anyone? Yeah, there was. Patrick Vieira was one of the nicest fellas you'll meet. Such a such a nice man. And um, there was loads, like, I used to love Emmanuel Petit, he was great laugh. Uh, the Irish boys obviously were my favourite, we used to get along great with them. Like when I was there, I was just 19, and then you had Graham Barry, you had Stephen Bradley, mm, yeah. um, you had Stephen, oh, I can't think of his name, he's going to kill me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there was about five or six Irish, young Irish lads and we used to have a great laugh with them. And there was a great community there, Irish community, because there was Liam Brady and yeah. uh, there was always that sense that we were kept together, you know. Yeah. And Liam Brady would always treat us differently than everyone else as well, like being honest. So we always felt we were kind of like important for the club. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you had Thierry Henry, who was a really nice lad. They always made a point to, to speak to until he handled the ball. And then I hope there was no fraternising, was there, to him again. Uh, Emma? Was there any never. fraternizing? Never. <laughs> no, not at all. Never, never. Look, we're not... If it was we with Thierry Henry, just type. forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> we were in football boots and shin pads. Yeah. We weren't in the stilettos and the miniskirts, <laughs> which was the norm that the footballers Good stuff. Did you, uh, did you ever... And we had an opinion and we were strong-minded. So oh, yeah, yeah. Sure, Jesus, they wouldn't go near you. <laughs> did, did, you ever, uh, did you ever get roasted? By a manager. Jesus Christ. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I used to get roasted all the time. Listen, managers used to roast the players that, number one, they knew could take it, or number two, they wanted to get rid of. So I was always the one that I could take it, you know. Mm. And growing up, I always hung about with lads and, and my friends at home who were still my best mates. We're crude people. We speak... Uh, we, what's on our mind you know we say what's on our mind so we're I'm used to it I've, I've had football boots thrown at me glasses <laughs> kicked at me uh, it's the same as men's football back yeah. in the day like the managers wouldn't give a I, I keep going to swear I don't swear I, know. That, I promise <laughs> uh, they don't give a, a crap what's going on uh, and what they say if they're under pressure they're under pressure yeah. and they try to rile the team up as well as they can and sometimes that is a, a, a I don't know how to say this without <laughs> saying a bad word either sometimes that is a do, do the father Ted Baxter or uh, I can't uh, the uh, a Borican <laughs> <laughs> a star star in <laughs> um, yeah we used to get it all the time well we were strong enough to do that and you know what that, those kind of things those moments made you stronger yeah, you know yeah. my dad was from Meat Street so I had plenty of them <laughs> when I was younger so you're thick skinned well. enough for it yeah exactly uh, I used to it we now I think I, we're getting to know you now so we kind of know getting to know your personality so now we know who led the revolt for the women's national team 
<laughs> when they remember. You know so what, what happened? What happened there? Let's give us a good, give us a good insight on what happened and actually what were you dealing with? Yeah, it was murder, Jesus. Do you know what? It was in all my life. It was the most stressful time of my life. Yeah. yeah. And I never ever believed that I'd face anything like that, like on or off the pitch. Yeah. I always thought my toughest moments were going to be big games, qualifiers or cup finals. That was by far the toughest time in my career, 100%. Mm. It was a case of I've been there for years and, you know, I was a baby coming into the senior team. I was I was sitting on the bench when I was 14 years old mm. for a senior team, which was crazy. And I remember hearing the seniors uh, having problems getting to games. They had to pay for... Their, their own travel it was costing them money and I remember Sue Hayden um, the goalkeeper before me an amazing goalkeeper um, I remember her talking to someone you know as a kid listening to your mum talking and I remember her saying like she was, she just bought a house and she had no money and she was really struggling to get to training for petrol like the petrol money mm. and I remember looking at her and I thinking oh my dad drops me off like I I'm never going to have that problem. Timmy's not going to drop you off when I'm dirty on. <laughs> and um, I didn't think anything of it. And then through the years, just like the struggle of training. And at that stage, we were going from a Friday to a Sunday training. Right. Every It was like semi-professional, but not getting paid for it. Yeah. And not realising and not thinking about the struggles people would have yeah. uh, doing that. Like not being able to work and... And it wasn't until the, about 10 years ago when I became like one of the responsible senior players that I realized this is awful. Yeah. And then playing with Arsenal and playing with national team players and realizing what they have and how they're progressing. Yeah. And I'm just realizing, well, it's not really good enough, but still not doing anything about it because you're playing for your country it's a massive honour and for me it was the biggest honour so I didn't care I was getting paid from my club so it wasn't a problem for me and we had such great banter with the Irish team we always had amazing players like as in banter and relationships it was always a great thing so it was for me a a break from playing with with Arsenal and it was something I was always going to do and it was a, a benefit we didn't care about getting paid. and um, But then it came to a stage where Scotland were getting better, mm. which was very competitive with our, our neighbours. We never played against England. so And they were always a little bit better because we felt they had a bigger pool of players to choose from. Yeah. And the league was always better. So we were like, OK, fair enough. But Scotland getting better? No, mm, no, no. Yeah, yeah, that was the last <laughs> This <trial>. can't happen. <laughs> because they started investing money and they started investing in academies. So the 13-year-olds were going to academies and it got to a stage where their senior team became better and they were um, allowing the players to... to or enabling the players to train every day. So they were paying for their gym memberships. They were encourage them to become full-time players basically okay. to and invest so, in, in in clubs and academies so the thing of tracksuits you know, and hand-to-hand tracksuits back and all were that all true was it the, 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 yeah yeah absolutely so everything was true look, look people were coming from the fai saying these things weren't true that was a load Jesus of hard wallop yeah, yeah. in the nicest way everything was true 
we were changing in the toilets, changing tracks in yeah, the to- yeah. uh, toilets. Um, it was costing us money to go and, mm. uh, and play. Like, it was getting to a stage where, look, I know, I've, I come from a cynical background. People are like, oh, what are you talking about? Just go, you're paying for your country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you get to keep a jersey? Well then, what are you moaning about? <laughs> and that's the way I've grown up. That's how everyone in my family are. Like, not to that sense, but we were like, just appreciate what yeah, you have yeah. and, and get through it. We're, we're a working class family. But it was getting to the stage where some of our best players weren't able to come on on the trips and weren't able to play because they had to work, and this for me was unacceptable. Yeah. So. And did you do you, do you feel you you seen uh, chances of qualifying for major tournaments slip away because of this? This was a this was the main thing. Yeah. So it wasn't a case of we want money. We want to, we want to be able to train together. And we want to be able to play at a higher level. Yeah. That was what we needed. And what we need, how we needed to do it was money, unfortunately. Mm. But I went to Delaney a long, years ago about it. And, of course, in my nice way, because I was never taught how to be, um, <laughs> like, raw and, you know, go for what I want. I was like, oh, do, do you think, or would you mind? And, you know, indirectly yeah. asking, is there any way we can make this better? And how we can make it better? We'll do this. So I went to him with a plan how we could do stuff to generate more money and never a handout. And, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, we can do that. That sounds great. Nothing happened. Just entertained you. For three years later, and we were still at, three years later, I got to a stage where I was like, okay, I'm getting a little bit annoyed about this, Mm. you know? And I was getting to a stage where I was coming towards the end of my career. So I knew I had nothing to lose, so to speak. You know, if if it was going to happen, it had to be from me. Because the other players coming... coming up or under me are young they might be strong enough they've, they, they're they not going to do it because they'd be like me when I was their age because I would never have done it Yeah. Um, which I wish I'd done it a long time ago but my career might have been cut a lot short, shorter if I'd have done it so it was the right time for me to do it and of course um, we had the PFAI behind us which yeah. was a massive thing it gave me, it gave me support and um, gave me confidence to go and do it what are the benefits from that since now obviously the success of the team has been fantastic and maybe yeah, that's been the push that they need but how, what, what kind of changes have come in now or, or what kind of improvements have been made since well it's you know players have been able to go to their uh, companies that they mm. work for because in Ireland there's not a professional league so most of the team aren't playing professionally mm. which for me is the problem yeah I want to convince the players to go to England, which is what I had to do mm-hmm. to to get better, and half the players had to do. Like we have Neve Fahey, who uh, could have been a doctor, like super brainy nerd, yeah. <laughs> and she had to go abroad to play, and she had to forsake her her working career yeah. for football. So I believe that's what you have to do anyway, which is a shame. Yeah, it is. It's one thing or the other. But the players who do play at home have been able to go to their bosses and say, look, I need to cut my hours down. Mm -hmm. You can pay me less. I need to cut my hours down because I need to be able to train and and go to the gym every day, which which is a huge benefit. Um, You also have players who can pay their mortgage and pay their bills Mm. um, because they're they're getting um, reimbursed when they have to take days off, you know. Mm. 
because and it's just less stress you know players are taking all their holiday days to play football True. which would have been would have easily been 26 days a year and then they've no holidays so they can't uh, relax because believe me it's not a holiday when you go away <laughs> playing football um it's just made their lives in general better so they've been able to focus on football more uh, so they're able to keep up with the likes of Wales and Scotland who've been doing it for years yeah. uh, have you uh, any regrets in football? Uh, I regret not doing that earlier yeah. because a lot of players I've seen a lot of players have to step down because of it and really good players players that yeah, you the last players. could have helped us qualify so that was a regret but then I know there would have been re- repercussions if I'd have done that earlier yeah. you know um, instead of playing for the national team for 23 years I might have played for 16 yeah. so you know it, it was a different situation but but that's your only that's, re- that's your only went. regret I mean in fairness you've, you're probably at the best football club at, at the time so yeah no I would have liked to go to America now looking back yeah I might have accepted one of those offers, yeah. but you know, again, it's got. It, it wouldn't. I wouldn't have had the the fairy tale story. Like I, I played for Arsenal for seventeen years yeah. because I refused scholarships because I refused other offers from European teams, yeah. and I don't regret that because I'm. I, I like the way uh, my story went, yeah. and I like the fact I played for the same club. I, I'm a loyal person and. That was, that was very hard to find in football. But I probably suffered financially for it. <laughs> probably. <laughs> but I was never, it was never about the money for me. It was about being happy, about being surrounded by friends. And that's one of the main reasons I retired, because all my friends had gone. They retired. And it wasn't the same for me. Uh, so that's, it wasn't the age and it wasn't my physical form I was still playing in fact I was probably playing some of the best football I'd played ever Yeah. I was at a good stage in my career but all my friends had left I wasn't enjoying it Right. Right. and that was probably the reason so you're retired you're are you are you living in Barcelona now is that I am officially uh, (laughs) I'm not a Spaniard but I'm officially living here is that because they have great beaches for metal detecting (laughs) shut (laughs) <laughs> and I hate the fact you've brought that to light again. It's just about it the third video on. off getting hit. It's going to trend now. I, I'm, well, I'm actually glad you're putting it out there that it was a joke yeah. or it's not well, true. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's good acting. <laughs> Listen, but uh, they do have a lot of beaches, and there are uh, a lot of things to find on beaches. <laughs> what do you? What, so, what? You, what is the future for yourself? What? What are you looking to do? Um, well, I started teaching in September. Um, I finished training mid-September, and uh, I started teaching at the end of September. Right. Um, and it's Why are you teaching? absolutely nuts for me to have a real job. <laughs> I have to decide what to wear in the morning, which is the, <laughs> the hardest decision I've had to make in my life. You don't wear your Arsenal gear, so... <laughs> I'd love to throw on a track too. I'm an absolute... I'm a bit of a, a skagger, to be honest. I love trainers and track suits. And um, I, I, I don't wear them anymore. It's weird. My whole, I'd love to send you a picture of my wardrobe. Just, I have about 50 pairs of trainers, like... 
Puma trainers, a Puma tracksuits, <laughs> and one tiny section for normal people clothes. And what are you and, teaching, uh, Emma? I have to get rid of it. Huh? What are you teaching? Teaching English. Yeah. Oh, Senorita Burn. Oh, Senorita, yeah. And, and it's and nuts. And I've realised we are absolutely crap at English. <laughs> how we speak, so. uh, the, our knowledge is just so bad. So bad. How have you crept the word skanger into the English <laughs> lesson? <laughs> uh, what do you skanger? Skanger has so It's actually chunny over here. I oh, do know. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say uh, chunny, big hoop earrings and tracksuits, <laughs> uh, pajamas to Tesco's. <laughs> well, listen, we, we're, unfortunately, because really, can I ask one oh, yeah, final question, just purely because obviously with the crowds, maybe in the early days wouldn't have been as big as what they were, and you being in goal, sure, did you hear anything funny in the terraces behind you at all or in your time? I used to get absolutely abused. The goalkeeper gets an awful time because we can't run away from them. Yeah, yeah. I used to. People used to say to me, "Oh, you're like one of the first like sweeper keepers, and yeah. you know, you're like an outfield player." And I used to think it's to get away from the <laughs> crowd behind the goal. They used to give me awful, an awful time. Um, really, it's funny now that I think of what I used to want to absolutely bait the head off. Oh yeah, of course. People. Because every time I go to kick the ball, they just go, oh, potatoes. <laughs> it used to drive me mad. I used to like, That's racist, Emma. Like, you should have done something about this. absolute racism back there. Yeah, we do love potatoes, mashed boiled chip, but who cares? So do you. It's funny because we, we, I went over to Ireland and England in Wembley and... Uh, we were in. The, we went to go to the Irish pub across from Wembley, and it was jam packed. And so there was oh, a yeah. British. Always. Pub, there was an English pub across the way, and there was you know, all the the flags and all that. So I said, ah, come on, we go in there. So we went through a whole crowd of English people, and we went in, and there was all these lads in there singing out, and they were singing all the songs that you can think of. You know, yeah. the the World War songs and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, really, yeah. yeah. But. Then we had a bit of a, a sort of a to and fro between each other. The, the songs were going, you know, and, and at one stage then they started singing, you love potatoes and you know you do, you know, and this is supposed to be an insult <laughs> to us. And we were sitting there going, the, our next song back to them was, uh, yeah, we love potatoes and we know, we, we, we like potatoes, I don't get it. <laughs> so, but uh, there's but, nothing you can slag us about. No, like when no. you think of it, there is it's absolutely like nothing. Okay, we haven't colonised 200 countries, so yeah, no. that's that's your thing potatoes okay (laughs) and we we love alcohol but how are you going to slag us over that (laughs) you know but it's the only slag they can get get us on and it's pretty Keith Lemon anyway (laughs) yeah potatoes not exactly a slag but I used to get insulted because I used to think you know I'm thinking they want to insult me even though potatoes don't insult me I just want to boot the ball at them. <laughs> well, well no, we used to, I used to get an awful time, but, you know, we were winning 4-0. You didn't care. But care. some of the things that you say would be hilarious, like Jeremy Kyle stuff. I'd be like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is so true. Well done. <laughs>
we're we're running out of time, yeah, unfortunately. No choice. And uh, you have beaches to comb, so we are going to uh, we're going to leave it there, Emmett. Listen, you've been an absolute pleasure to talk to, a delight. Oh, and thank uh, you for having. Uh, we might actually we might actually uh, sneak you back on sometime when in Ireland the qualify. future when Ireland qualify. Without you have you. to catch me first. You know, I might be sunbathed. Or well, you might catch that treasure. Yes. <laughs> might get that treasure off the coast of Barcelona there. Uh, Emma, have a have a brilliant day and uh, enjoy your time. Thanks, over. Same to you. Talk Thanks to you. a lot. Cheers, have a good day. Bye.